Well, I believe I can fill you up if you listen. Because I tell you, God is real. He's not on no vacation. One day this week, I was up early in the morning praying, and the Lord moved on me tremendously. And uh, he said, I'm the God that's flowing out. He said, I'm constantly, consistently flowing out. He said, there's never a moment in my life I'm not flowing out. And what God wants us to do is get in that flow and get where he is. He's flowing out in your life and my life today. He's blessing you, and a lot of times we don't even know it. The Lord is surely in this place, and I don't what? Don't know it. Last few Sundays, been some prophecy going on here. Some not going home to a quarter to one, laying over here, prophesying, speaking in tongues, interpretation. It's wonderful. It's been about two or three Sundays in a row now. And I tell you, I believe God is alive. And I believe he's doing wonderful things. And there's some, I know there's some news going on. And it's good news. I want to encourage you this morning. I may preach this later. Bad company corrupts good manners. Is that right? How many of those scriptures? Bad news Going to corrupt your goodness with God. You can't listen to bad news and have a good relationship with God. Because that is like Brother Sam one time had these kids stand up on a stool and one of them pull one of them off. He didn't have no problem pulling him off. And he said, now try to pull him up. He couldn't pull him up. Listen, the devil wants to pull you down. But God wants to pull you up. Amen? Why don't you take your Bibles and... Uh, we we'll turn to the book of Malachi, the third chapter, and verse 3. Malachi 3 and verse 3. How many believe and got up this morning something good's going to happen to you today? You're expecting something good to happen in your life today. The wonderful things of God. Amen. We receive what we expect. If you expect something good, you'll get what? You're going to get something good. So you've got to expect something all right, Malachi, chapter 3, verse 3. He shall set as a refiner and purifier of the silver. He shall purify the gold. I mean, the sons of Levi. He prepared them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering of righteousness. We're going to title this this morning. Making vessels for the master's use. And that's one thing that we do not like. To go through the fire, trials, and tests, it cranks our tractor backwards because we don't like it. But when you begin to realize what God is doing in your life, when he sends you through the fiery furnace, and when you come out, He's doing it for not only your good, but the good of the master's use. Proverbs 17 and 3 said, The finding pot is for the silver, and the furnace is for fine gold. So God has a plan for our lives. The Lord tries the heart. It's your heart that's on trial your spirit's on trial. 
And sometimes he has to send fiery trials to reveal to us what's in us. And he wants to get that out if it's impure, whether he can use you mightily in the kingdom of God. David said in Psalms 139 and verse 23 and 24, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Brother Peters came by earlier this morning to see me. I tell you, it's inspirational to be around people that's on fire for God. It's an inspirational. If you like to be around people that's on fire for God, <laughs> then you be on fire for God, and you'll always be around somebody that's on fire on God. You don't have to be around somebody else. Be around yourself. How many of you like yourself? Like the good things of God happening in our lives? Jesus wants vessels for his use. For his use. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. He discerns your thoughts. One little girl said he knows your thought before you ever think it. He's a discerner of thoughts. And he's a purifier. and makes us vessels for the master's use. Could I ask you a question this morning? How many of you want to be a vessel for the master's use? You want to be used of God to bring him glory and honor in the things of God. The word of God is living, and it's an active word. It's active. When you get the word of God in your heart, in your life, you got something that's active in your life. It's the Holy Ghost and what? That's doing what? Keeping me alive. So the word is quick in discernment of thoughts and intents of the heart. Matthew 5 and 8 said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart will see God operate here on this earth. They will feel God operating here on this earth. And not only that, God has already built you a mansion in heaven. He's already got it prepared for you before you get there. The pure in heart. They'll be used of God. That's the one God wants to use. And that's why he sends fiery trials and sends the furnace to get rid of the stuff that's impure in our lives because he wants to use us in his kingdom, in the kingdom of God, the blessings of God. I'm blessed going what? How many of you say that daily? I'm blessed going in and I'm what? I'm blessed coming out. Everything in my life is what? Blessed. I didn't hear the speech of the president, but someone told me that he said, it's time for us to have world rule order. If that's the case, we're in trouble, and the Lord is soon to come. Because the Bible talks about the world rule of order. But I know it's time for Jesus to rule. Amen. Amen. Come on now. The devil's not in charge. Jesus has put us in charge. Can you say amen? He's put you and I in charge. And that's why the devil tempted Jesus 40 days and 40 nights. He wanted 
Jesus to turn the rule of the world. He gave him the rule of the world. How many believe that God's given you the rule to rule your life? I'm getting off base right now, but God has given you authority and power to speak to your mountain. What is your mountain? It's obstacles. It's things in your life that's bothering you, like a burr on your saddle. He's giving you authority to get rid of that. Amen? Oh, well, I wish Jesus would get rid of it. He's not going to get rid of it. He's giving you, if you're a Christian, he's already giving you that authority to speak to your mountain and drive that thing out of your life so you can have a good life. A woman broke the alabaster box. And out of it came pure ointment. When we're broken, what ought to come out of us is the pure anointing of God. And that's why he tries us to see if something pure is going to come out of us. Watch my knee in his book, Releasing the Spirit. You can never release the right spirit until you're broken. You have to be broken for the pure to come out and for God to be able to use us. How many believe God wants to use you? Could you, could you just say to yourself right now, God wants to use me. You are a member of the body of Christ. You belong to him, and he wants to use you, not only to bring glory and honor to him, but to bless your life. Jesus' desire is for every vessel to be used and to be able to release the pure anointing of God into other people's lives. Something pure and clean. God is a purifier of silver. He will purify all of his vessels. He'll be able to release perfect, precious oil. And I want you to know they're going to come up after a while and they're going to anoint you with oil. And I'm going to encourage you to come because we're going to get to that in a minute. The oil in the Bible represents the Holy Ghost. It's a type of the Holy Ghost. It's not the Holy Ghost. It is a type of the Holy Ghost. So the anointing of all is the Spirit of God and what he wants us to be able to use for the glory of God. Be a David. Let God do what? Let God purify. Whatever he wants to do, I write in my notes, God, I don't care. I've got to the place in my life, I don't care what it costs. I don't. Whatever it costs, I want to please God. I know he's not going to put more on me than I can bury. I know I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I know in my weaknesses his strength is made perfect, and that's what really counts for his strength to be made perfect where other people can see the glory of God and be able to enjoy the glory of God. I tell you, enjoying the glory of God is a wonderful thing to enjoy. It's a wonderful blessing that he's given to us. God purifies his vessels. God will take out the dross. That's why the Holy Ghost is like a fire. You get full of the Holy Ghost, I guarantee you God begin to reveal things to you you didn't even think you had. <laughs> you didn't know and realize it was there. But he purifies it. He does not condemn. He does not judge. He releases that out of your life and gives you a life that you didn't even think could be had on this earth. But God is so good to us. Hebrews 12 and 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth. How many believe God loves you? 
You really believe that God loves you? If he loves you, he's going to do what? He's going to chasten you. If he loves you, he's going to discipline you. He said, your father disciplined you, and you take it. Why can't I discipline you, and you take it? Because what he wants in our lives is a better life while we are on this earth. He wants to give us a better life. Verse 5 said, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. When he sends you a problem, when I first got in the church one time, was at a fellowship meeting, and they let people stand up and testify, I'm not sure that's a good thing to do no more. Because sometimes they can get up and testify with a testimony that will discourage you to your bones. This guy got up and said, I've been given a package from the devil today, a package I can't carry. I thought, I just got in the church. Well, then why don't you stand up in the name of Jesus Christ, submit yourself to God, and resist the devil, and give him his package back. Don't accept what the devil tells or suggests in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, he, he's a suggester. He's accuser of the brethren day and night. But you have to come against him yourself. And rebuke him, and he will leave you. Verse 10, so the Lord disciplines us for our good, and not only that, for holiness. How many of you know that without holiness, no man shall see God? No man will really see the real operation of God in their lives today without holiness. He'll never see God in heaven without holiness. Be ye holy because he's what? He's holy. And he wants us to be holy and do the things that pleases God. Verse 11, to produce a harvest. Everybody ought to say harvest. One thing that God wants the church to do is have a harvest of souls. How many know that's why we're here? To harvest souls. And he's going to help us to bring that about. Proverbs 25 and 4 said, He taketh away the dross from the silver, and there will come forth a vessel. Oh, when God can get that dross out of us, that impurity out of us, it's going to become forth a vessel that he can use, Brother Michael a vessel that he would desire to use, a vessel that he loves to use. Jesus said the harvest is what? Great. The fields are white. But the Lord said also, but there's a need of laborers. How many would say today, this morning, I, you don't say it out loud, I want to be a laborer for God. I want to help bring in the harvest. Then he said, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers the Lord of the harvest is Jesus Christ. He's the one that died. He's the one that rose. And he's looking for a harvest in this world. I believe with all my heart the world is right for the greatest harvest this world has ever seen. The Lord, I hear, I believe Sister Rhonda Mollum said recently to someone, I believe the Lord is soon to come. He may be sooner than we think. 
He wants a harvest of souls before he comes back. He's working for vessels to help bring into this harvest. Psalms 25, Proverbs 25 and 4, we just read there. It said this vessel that he wants to use has to be purified. And how does he purify us? He has to send us fiery trials and has to send you troubles. And don't be disappointed when he sends you a fiery trial or send you some trouble. Norman Vincent Peale, anybody ever read after him? He said, if you ain't got some trouble, get down on your knees and ask God why is he mad at you and send you some. Because it's God's way of purifying us and getting us ready for a bigger harvest in our lives. He wants a harvest. He can only have a harvest through us. There's no harvest without the church. There's no harvest without people. We have to be the harvester and bring forth the harvest. We pray for him to send laborers, to send laborers. Make a vessel for the master's use. Every vessel. If you are a child of God, you are a vessel, and God wants to use you in his kingdom. He has a special place for you in his kingdom that he wants to use you. He desires to use every vessel Every vessel, he has a desire to use it for some use or another. A workman approved by God. 2 Timothy 2.20 says, In a large house, there are articles or vessels, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are noble and some are dishonorable. In the house of God. But God has a use for everything. God uses Cyrus a wicked king, to bring forth his thing that he wanted to happen. And God wants to use you and you and you and me to bring forth the harvest that he has planned and he's going to do it. I want him to use me. How many of you want him to use you? If we refuse to let him use us, he's going to find somebody else. He's going to use us to bring in this glorious harvest It's coming into the church. Verse 21, a man therefore will purge himself from these. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, prepared for every good work. God is preparing us for every good work. Every good work where you put your hands to the plow and have a good work to turn out. The good things of God, the blessings of God. He desires to use every one of us. And it's going to need every one of us for this great harvest. I believe it's coming. I believe it's here today. I believe it could happen at any moment. The greatest harvest ever seen. Brother Tommy Barnett tells a story about a lady come to his church said, I believe this church needs a certain program. He said, you really believe that? And she said, yes. He said, then you to do it. Because if God put it on your heart, it's not for me, it's for you. How many believe when God puts something on your heart, you to do it? I have learned, and I'm still learning. I carry a notepad with me, 
Now, I don't do like I should sometimes. When God drops something in my heart, I try to write it down. Why? Why do I want to write that down? It may be just a seed. I mean, you know, one seed can make a difference in your life. I've found this out. If you don't write it down, in the next few moments, you'll lose it. You pray and ask God to give it back. Sometimes he will, and sometimes he don't. To show you that you're not really in tune with him. Oh, how he wants to use us. He wants to use us. Mightily purge ourselves and be used of God. When the cherubim took the tongs, took the coals off the altar in heaven and touched Isaiah's lips, he cried, send me. How many, how many in this building this morning would cry out to God, send me? If he touches you with the fire of God, if you're a Christian, God has already touched you. There ought to be a cry from our lips. Use me. Whatever you want to do. Praise God. How many want to be really used of God? Really used of God. You really want to be used where God would want you to be used. He has a perfect plan for your life. A beautiful plan. Brother Ken mentioned in the class that him and Sister Melinda sits out on a place sometime and just cries, wondering why in the world has God been so good to them and brought them to such a place that they are today because he wants to use them. Sister Linda was going to clean out Sister May's closet one day. She said, oh, no, Sister Linda, don't throw them away. I don't know. She's done well in years, wasn't she? Probably in her 90s. Don't throw that away. I have use for that yet. How many believe right now that God has a use for you? Well, I'm just too old. I'm too ignorant. I, I, I'm not well educated. You don't need to be well educated. All you need is submit to God. He'll do the work. You can't make a hair black or white. If you did, you come in the morning, you ought to see something different. But you can't make a statue one inch. But if you allow God to get in your heart and get in your life, you'll see something different in your life. And sometimes it takes 20, 30, 40 years for God to really get through to us. Not that he's weak. We're weak receiving. And the devil is a stealer. He's a thief. He don't want you to see what God has planned for your life. God can send you to help and to gather harvest from anywhere. God can do all things through us if we'll yield ourselves to him. Let's don't be like Sarah. Get impatient. Because the promise has not come true. I'm going to give Hagar to Abraham. I'm going to bring forth this promise. Let's don't be like that. Let's bring forth the promise for ourselves that God has given us where we can get the glory and the joy out of it for the Christ Jesus, our master. Sarah suffered a lot because of that. But thank God. Somebody ought to say, thank God he don't give up on me. He didn't give up on Sarah. Sarah, Hebrews 11, received strength to conceive 
and to bear forth the promise. I want you to know this morning God will give you strength to conceive and bring forth the promise that he's promised in your life. It may not have come forth yet, but if you'll believe God and stay with God and hold on to the promise, it shall come to pass. It will come to pass. It is ready, ready to bring it to pass. Christ Jesus is. Do not hide our talent in the earth. Let's use it for the glory of God. How little it may be, let's use it for the glory of God. The book of Numbers said, 12 and 7, And God said, My servant Moses, which is most faithful in all of thy house, my servant Moses, he alone is most faithful in all of my house. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God could say that about each and every one of us, that we're faithful in God's house? The world loves to have faithful people. Is that right? We have some business people in here today. We have some people that manage companies. I believe if you was to ask them, they would love to have faithful people. Is that right? You want people that's faithful. Faithful to the kingdom of God. Faithful to your work you work. Be on time. Be ready to go to work. Don't be like some I've seen just slide right in at 8 o'clock and said, bless God, I'm on time. I got to go get me a cup of coffee. Oh, my goodness. When we're late, you know what, you know, when you're late, you know what it tells other people? You're not important. I'm more important than you are. It's important to be on time. It's important to be faithful in what God has given us to be and be faithful to one to another. Psalm 101 and 6 says, My eyes shall be favored, favorable to the faithful. Where does God's eyes look? To the faithful. To the faithful. Not only that, he says, Unto the Lord that they may live with me. Who's going to live with God? The faithful. One that's faithful. I know this is just a story like a fairy tale. Word got out this man had a world's champion coon dog. When he treed, there's always be a coon up at the tree. So the experts came down and wanted to go coon hunting with him. And so he went and, and the dog treed and they got there, and the dog just sitting on the ground. Oh! And the tree was just as bare. Every limb on it was bare. They looked at the lights up in that tree, and they said, there ain't no coon up in that tree. He said, that dog has just lied. You put out some false propaganda. He said he hadn't lied. said he's waiting on the coon to get here. He just got here before he did it. Oh, come on, church. God wants the people that's faithful that can do the things of God. He wants you to be faithful. That's the one he's going to look to, the faithful one. That's the one he's going to pour his blessings out upon, the faithful one. He who walks blameless in serving the Lord, when we serve the Lord, God chooses vessels, vessels by grace. How many of you are saved by grace? You're saved by the favor of God. 
How many are glad that they can't run a background check on your spiritual life before you come to the kingdom of God? How many are glad that they can't look on Google? And, and, and I was in a place some time ago, and they were talking and talking, and, and somebody said, well, I don't know. Didn't nobody know. One guy says, Google knows. I said, give me a few moments, and I'll let you what Google says. I'm so glad you don't know what I used to be. I'm so glad that the blood of Jesus has washed my sins as white as snow. You do not have a past because Christ erased your past. All you have is a future and he's already planned it out for your life. What else you need to shout and be thankful for? What he has done. I like to hear what he has done, but I like to hear more what he's doing. You can talk about what he has done, but you need to talk about what he is doing. He's doing something wonderful today. He's keeping you alive. <laughs> you could have slid by the wayside, but he's keeping you alive for, for a purpose. Caleb said, I'm 85. There's a few of us in here about that age. <laughs> I won't go no further than that. But he said, he's kept me alive all these Forty years in the wilderness with these complainers and whiners, but I'm still well able to go in there and take them giants down and take their land away from them because it's promised to me. How many believe what God has promised you? Let me slow down a minute. We need to stand up and start agreeing with the Word of God, what it says about us, and not agree with our feeling, but agree what the Word of God says we are. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. I refuse to be what the devil says I am. I am what he says I am. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Everyone's a vessel. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, by grace, in other words, favor of God, I am what I am. By his grace toward me was not in vain. He goes on to say, I labor more abundantly than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. How many of you know that if you're born again Christian, you got the grace of God inside of you? You got the favor of God inside you. And He's blessed you all these years, but He's not through with you yet and what He intends to do in your life before it's over with. I'm going to share you a story written by a pastor. We're going to call him Jim and call the boy's name Johnny. Johnny knocked on Jim's home door one day. He was in his office at home, and he went, wanted to put him off because he's busy. And he opened the door, and Johnny gave him a quick sales speech that convinced him to let him come in. A very young boy went in there and he witnessed to him a little bit. Quickly, Johnny says, I don't believe in God. I don't believe there is a God. And Jim said, well, he believes in you. How many believe this morning that God believes in you? God has a plan for your life. He said, I asked him, said, well, 
do you have any aches or pain? He said, yeah, I got a jaw that's out of joint that gives me problem from boxing. I got carpal tunnel syndrome. He said, I'm going to pray for you. He prayed for him. The pain went away. Tears come in his eyes. He said, I live with my girlfriend, and we lived with her sister's got two kids. Says she's a prostitute, and she's a drug addict to support her habit. Said she overdosed. Now it's up to me and my girlfriend to take care of the two children and bury her. And we're broke, and my family's broke. We have no money. And Jim said, Well, what does the funeral cost? And he, Johnny told him, he wrote him out a check. He said, Here it is. Let me stop right there. That's why God wants you to have money. Come on now, God wants you to have money. I said, come on now, God wants you to have money. It's time that we realize that God wants the church to have money. In case somebody knocks on your door and needs some help, you don't send them somewhere else. You're able to help them. Amen. That, that's why he wants you to have money. There's a lady in this congregation. She learned this before a missionary came here. And she carries a $100 bill in her pocket all the time in case somebody needs some money. She gives them that $100. Oh, glory to God. Tears come in Johnny's eyes. He got up and left. Jim told his wife, said, I feel an urgency that I ought to go to that funeral. And I want you to notice he didn't invite Johnny to church. Now, he didn't invite Johnny to church. He just said, well, you need to come to church. He didn't tell him that. He told his wife, I feel a need to go to the funeral. He went in, and he said it most all was in there was drug addicts, and the fights were almost breaking out. He said, I felt nervous, and, and it, just, it just really terrible. On one side of the aisle sat the Johnny and his girlfriend and the two children and his parents. And on the other side of the aisle sat the father of them two children. He said, this big burly guy that had tattoos all over him, had them all on his face. And he said, he walked up to me very aggressively and said, I fear struck my heart. He said, are you the man that paid for this funeral? He said, very nervously, my voice was crackling because I didn't know what was going to happen. I said, I'm he. <laughs> Tears began to roll down his eyes. Johnny, sitting on the other side of the aisle, stood up and said, that's my pastor. Two days before that, he said, I don't believe in God, and I don't believe in there's a God. But now because one man showed kindness to him, because one man didn't invite him to church, he probably went to church later, are you here? Sometimes you don't need to invite them, you need to go where they are. Sometimes you need to have a word from up yonder. Anybody can give a word, but when you give a word that came from up yonder, when you move from what came up yonder and come out of your heart, they cannot resist it. They can't resist God because he's too strong. When I mean strong, he's too lovable. God is lovable. Brother Peters came up this morning. We had a wonderful conversation, had prayer. 
He said, before I go, he said, did you know the word? Well, Paul said, constraineth me, and the Greek means echo. I said, no, I didn't know that. He said, yes. He said, that's what it means. He said, what Paul was saying, the love of God has echoed unto me. <laughs> Sister Ronald's already ahead of me. I'm echoing it right back to him. They tell us there's places you can go and say, hey. And first thing you know, you hear what? Paul said, God echoed his love to me. And now I'm echoing his love back to him. God wants us to live a life that echoes love back to him. Echo. They're going to come here in a few minutes and sing, and we're going to worship the Lord before they come, before they start to come. The book of James said you anoint them with oil. The oil means the Spirit. And Jesus said, I cast out demons with the Spirit. So the early church knew that. They knew it was not the oil. It was God himself. The oil representation of the Spirit of God would rest upon them. So when they anoint you today, I want you to see it's not them. It's the Spirit of God fixing to work a miracle in your life. He's alive. He wants to bless you. And he wants to help you. It's called corporate anointing. One chase a thousand and two chase what? In the Bible, it's called a corporate anointing. The Bible said in Psalms 133, when the oil was poured out on Aaron's head, what did it do? It ran down to the lowest part of the garment, meaning the Holy Spirit started at the head. Oh, glory to God. It's running down. The Spirit of God is running down everywhere from the priest. Second Chronicles 15, I believe it's verse 11 to 14, when they dedicated the tabernacle, the Bible said all the priests was there. I want you to know if you're a Christian, you are a priest. That's what you are. You're to make intercession. And also you are a king, and a king is to rule. But as they sanctified, we read over a while ago where the Bible said they were sanctified. When they were sanctified, the Spirit of God filled that whole house. Corporate anointing. How many believe that when you got two people praying for you and put some oil on you in the Spirit of God and you agree with them, amen, can two walk together lest they do what? He's not talking about two physical individuals. Glory to God. He's talking about you walking with him and agreeing with what he says. I mean, you know, a lot of times if you're praying, it's a lot better for one to do the praying and the other do what? Agree. You agree with the word. If he's not praying the word, don't agree with him. But if they're praying the word, agree with them, and you're going to get some results. On the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, there was all what? One mind and what? That is a mystery that you can get 120 people together and it could be at one mind <laughs> in one accord. That's a mystery. 
But when they did, the corporate anointing from heaven came down like a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house. A corporate anointing, like in Psalm 133, it ran down from the head from Jesus Christ, ran down upon the people and filled them all because there's a corporate anointing. When you agree with the word of God and begin to pray the kingdom of God, you'll see wonderful, dominant things happen. So they're going to come now. We're going to sing and worship the Lord. And uh, something good's going to happen today. When you come, I want you to, if you come to be prayed for it, I'm going to encourage you to come because they've been praying. I know they've been praying. And when they anoint you, oh, don't look at the oil. Don't look at the anointing. Look at the presence of God has come upon you, and he will do the work. Without the Spirit of God, there is no work done. But with the Spirit of God, all things are possible and nothing is impossible when God is working in it. God bless you for being here today. Look for something good. Expect something good. And you shall receive. God bless you.